Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 147. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. If you haven't yet checked out premedlife.com, go check them out. Premed Life Magazine is an awesome bi-monthly magazine with tons of great information and articles that you, the pre-med, need to hear. Again, premedlife.com. And if you're struggling with MCAT prep, go to Next Step Test Prep. They offer one-on-one tutoring. That is their that is their specialty, one-on-one tutoring, especially for retakers. Mention that you heard about them from the podcast and they'll give you a lovely discount on their services. Again, nextsteptestprep.com. All right. Welcome back to the Medical School Headquarters podcast. I hope um, that you have thoroughly enjoyed what episodes that you have listened to so far. I hope if, if this is your first episode that you will go back and listen to all 146 episodes. I think the record is is about a week or so for somebody listening to all the episodes um, as fast as they can, which is phenomenal. Again, this is episode or session 147. Our special show notes page for this episode is medical school headquarters or medicalschoolhq.net slash 147. All of the episodes, if you want show notes, you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash and then the session number. Today we're going to do some Q&A. As I've mentioned before, I get a lot of email. Uh, If I haven't responded to one of your emails personally, I apologize. I have about 100 plus in, in a backlog and I'm slowly getting to them. But I wanted to answer a couple today, and then I also put it out in the Medical School Headquarters Hangout, which is our private Facebook group you can go to and join for free, medicalschoolhq.net slash group. We have almost uh, 750 
members in there, which is a, a phenomenal group and getting um, more activity lately, which is amazing. We actually just um, sprouted off two new groups from that group, a, a study hall group for students to talk about their struggles that they're having in specific classes, and then a journal club group for students that are interested in in critiquing journal articles and kind of learning how all of that works. And I think we may actually do a journal club and, and like once a month and record it probably over Blab, which is uh, the kind of technology that I used a couple episodes ago to have a couple people on the show live and, and ask questions. Uh, but Blab is amazing and would work perfect for a journal club. And I may actually take that and turn that into a whole separate podcast to kind of learn how to critique journal articles. So yeah, medicalschoolhq.net slash group. Tons of, of fun stuff going on there. All right, so the first question that came in is uh, one that was emailed to me, and it's from a pharmacist who is interested in going back and doing and going to medical school. Now, the reason I'm this is a very kind of specific question, but I've had a lot of emails recently from pharmacists, which is interesting. Uh, a lot of them going back and wanting to do medical school. Uh, so. The, the question that came in, this pharmacist works in a clinic, which a lot of PharmDs can do. He, he completed a, a PGY one year, so a postgraduate year. And so he's a, a PharmD, and a lot of PharmDs can kind of practice on their own and see patients for, for things like hypertension and diabetes and, and high, uh, high cholesterol. And, and so this kind of led to him wanting to kind of do more for the patients, and that's why he wants to go back to medical school. But his question is about shadowing, and he obviously gets a lot of patient care and is involved directly with patients. And he questioned whether or not he should recommend, or whether I recommended doing further shadowing. And I said, the patient experience that he's getting, the, the patient experience when you're in this type of situation is phenomenal patient experience. Uh, a, a popular pre-med thing nowadays is getting your EMT and, and doing that pre-hospital uh, emergency care, which is great patient care. But what it's not doing is giving you the, the experience of what being a physician is like what it's like behind closed doors when they're doing their their quote physician thing and <clears throat> that's something that as an adcom member they want to make sure that you know what this whole physician thing is all about and not that you just like to hang out with patients as a pharmacist or hang out with patients as an EMT they want to to make sure that you know as as a pharmacist or an EMT that's leaving that and going into medicine that you know what it's like to be a physician and that's what shadowing offers you. So whenever you're thinking about your extracurriculars, you have to think in terms of clinical experience and then you have to think in terms of shadowing. Shadowing is not clinical experience. Shadowing is allowing yourself to understand what life is like as a physician. And that's where you have to kind of draw the line and, and understand the differences. All right. 
I had a, a series of questions come in, or one email with a lot of questions from a fellow Gator, and a, a lot of the questions were very relevant. So I'll talk about a few of them here. The first question he talked, he asked, is is how much weight do adcoms put uh, on update letters throughout the application cycle? This person, it seems like they they wrote that they didn't have. Um, sufficient time to do a lot of the the shadowing and the volunteering and the extracurriculars as they wanted uh, at the time. And now that they're doing those things, how important is it to update the the schools with this information? And one of the problems is uh, one of the the things that that I had mentioned to him was that. Update letters are great, but I would typically wait to send an update letter until you've heard something from the school. Um, unless unless you know that you got rejected and, or you're uh, in the process of, uh, or, or they're, they're waiting to offer you an interview or they're, if you've heard something from the school, then go ahead and send them an update letter. Let them know, say, hey, this didn't make it onto my application or only a couple of hours made it onto my application, but here's what I've been doing now. Update letters are okay, but they need to be substantial enough to, to warrant the interruption that it's going to give to the adcom member. Remember, they're sifting through thousands of applications. And, and so what is it about your application? What is it about the update that you're going to give them that's going to make them stop and and take a second and look at your application again. Pull it out of the pile and look at it again. So think about that when you when you want to send an update letter. How substantial is it? His other question talks about the the continuity of extracurricular activities. Um, he specifically states that he has fifty to one hundred hours. Of volunteering across several organizations, and it versus having fifty to hundred hours at one organization, and it really comes down to how involved you get in that time. What's the impact that you make when you're writing your your experiences on in in your application, whether it's the AMCAS application or the ACOMAS application? What what is that impact when when you're writing the description? What did you do when you were there? What impact did your presence make? That's what's going to make all the difference in the world when when you talk about kind of quality versus quantity. So don't don't think about needing to fill up. We talk about it all the time. You don't need to fill up all 15 spots in those extracurriculars. Make sure that you 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 have good stuff in there to put in there because they they can smell the the fluff from a mile away. Uh, Another question he asked was, at what point in the interview cycle, or the application cycle really, should you seriously begin considering applying next year? And that comes down to as soon as you know that all of the schools that you applied to have rejected you. Before then, there's really nothing that you can do. If if you uh, you want to be proactive, if there's a chance that you're not going to get in, if there's a chance you're not going to get in, which for everybody, 
there's a chance that you won't get in. Not everybody, even if you have perfect grades and perfect MCAT score and perfect extracurriculars, it doesn't mean you're going to get into medical school. So while you're applying in this downtime, continue to volunteer, continue to shadow, continue to make an impact in your community so that if you do have to reapply, you have more stuff to talk about, which is amazing. So don't ever just submit your application and and rest on your laurels and say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to get into med school and and that's it. Always, always keep in the, in the back of your mind that you need to continue to strengthen your application. Um, and yeah, so a lot of questions. He had a couple more, but, uh, I think that's good for that one. So the other question that came in was from a current postback student. She um, started college pre-med and had to uh, switch some gears and, and, and worked uh, doing some other stuff and is now going back and doing a postback. And she is worried she got a couple B's uh, during her postback, or is is looking at getting a couple B's. She was kind of foreshadowing out and and assuming she was going to get a couple B's. And she was worried that these B's would would kind of shoot her in the foot into getting into medical school. And we've talked about this before about like bad grades and and how to fix bad grades. But now she's a a postback student, and and can a postback student get bad grades? And I would say B's are not bad grades. And this person's father is a physician, so he's coming from the standpoint of you you have to be perfect to get into medical school. And so, number one, as a as a non traditional pre med, she has uh, a cool story to tell. Uh, which is very different than a traditional pre-med student. So you have to to add that into the equation. Yes, you need to show that you can handle the rigors of medical school by getting good grades in the post-bac classes. But a B is okay. Just don't make them all Bs. A B is okay. It really is. I promise. It really is. All right, we had a couple more questions come in through our Facebook group. I had put it out there that, I was going to record this podcast, a bunch of Q and A questions and answers, and so we had again that the this is out on the Hangout, which you can get at medicalschoolhq.net/slash/group. The first co- question that came in talks about evaluating new schools that are getting ready to open. Uh, I'm assuming new medical schools, and there are a lot of new medical schools opening, and so this is a, a valuable question. When you're sitting down and you're going through the list of medical schools to apply to, you have to kind of narrow down where you want to go. And we've talked about this before. I did a, a whole podcast on it recently about how to choose what medical schools to go to. One of the the questions is, what about new schools? New schools aren't fully accredited, so you have to think about that. Um, a lot of times there may be issues getting full student loans to those schools because they're not fully accredited and uh, some of the the, scholar, the the money that pays for medical school loans um, won't pay for a not fully accredited medical school. And so there's a lot of challenges there. How do you know what the quality of the education is going to be? You, you 
don't see a match list to see where students are matching. But ultimately, we talked about this before, that the medical school does not make you great. You make yourself great. And no matter what medical school you go to, you put in the effort to do well. You put in the effort to find those away electives that get you the exposure to get those great residencies. That's you. That's not the school. Yes, the school may have some connections. A school like Harvard may have some connections to get you in somewhere else that you may not be able to go. But you have to understand it's you. So I would use all of the criteria that we've talked about previously in session 142, again, medicalschoolhq.net slash 142. Use that criteria and determine if that new school is worthy of being on your list. And if it is, apply there and and worry about the rest later. Obviously, new schools open more recently a lot. And so, and and students go there, students graduate, students get a residency spot. And so it, it happens. Uh, it's just a different uh, different route, another another obstacle, another kind of thing to think about on the way, but it's possible and, and shouldn't be a, a huge hang-up. There was a question that um, came in about which medical schools are more research-based and which, one, which ones are not. Now, the first place to always look is the MSAR, M-S-A-R, and the College Information Book, the CIB. Those two resources, one for MD schools, one for DO schools, will give you a lot of information about the school. The next best place to look is the actual school's website. Go to their website and see what kind of research they're doing. Unfortunately, a lot of that stuff changes all the time, and so their website is going to be the most up-to-date, hopefully, uh, resource around. And I've actually talked to to several people who have talked about a medical school's website being a another criteria that they've used to apply to medical schools. If you if you go to a, a medical school's website and it's not very good, then I, I've talked to people that say they won't apply to that school, which is kind of interesting. All right, another question that came in was there is what extra classes would you suggest a student take if they are so inclined in order to prepare for getting through medical school? Um, So if you wanted to take, they're saying if you want to take a gap year and decide to take a few extra classes in the process. So they gave an example of toxicology, histology, anatomy, and physiology, immunology. Yes, all of those. (laughs) <laughs> whatever classes you may take in, in medical school, if, if they're available for you and they're, they're in your price range and, and you want to do it, then I would go ahead and do it. I think it's, it's a great opportunity to get a head start. Uh, a lot of advisors, a lot of pre-med advisors, specifically at the colleges, will tell you not to take anatomy. They won't tell you to take physiology. But the, going into medical school, knowing something, having a little bit of a foundation is amazing and only helps you on the way. So whatever you can get your hands on, whether it's online through something like the Khan Academy or through iTunes University, there's there's tons of stuff out there. So go and look. All right, that uh, is a shorter episode today. Lots of lots of questions coming in. We got a ton of great feedback with the interview 
podcast last week, session 146. If you haven't heard that, go listen to that, medicalschoolhq.net slash 146. In a couple of weeks, I'll be interviewing a dean of a medical school about his school's transition to the MMI and what that means for you as, a, as an applicant, uh, which is uh, will be an interesting podcast. So if you have any thoughts about that, you can uh, stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribing at on iTunes, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. And yeah, if you still need some interview help, uh, I've taken on a lot of new clients recently, but if you need some interview help or application help or whatever help you need, email me, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Specifically, if you need interview help, I know it's kind of a time crunch right now. You can uh, put in the subject interview help and I'll make sure to get to that one sooner rather than later. All right, let's talk about iTunes reviews. I know I've mentioned it before. I mention it every podcast episode iTunes reviews are a phenomenal way for you to show your love to us. And we get uh, a ton of great iTunes reviews. We have over 325 star ratings now, which is phenomenal. And I want to take a second to thank a couple that have taken the time to leave a, a rating interview. So from Dr. Hudat, they say... Uh, they're a current Navy corpsman and potential non-traditional medical student, medical school student. This is a fantastic podcast for a wide range of information relevant to anyone interested in a career in medicine. Uh, I've already taken a few notes and I'll be re- that I'll be referencing in the future. Awesome. Thank you, uh, Dr. Hudat. I'm assuming a Saints fan. Sam from Boston says, I can honestly, honestly say I've learned so much from yours and Allison's podcast at the path, uh, about the path of medical school more than I have from my college pre-med organization and frightening, frighteningly more than from my college pre-med advisors. I always recommend your podcast to friends. Uh, P.S. This is not in the review. If you are listening to this and you have friends who are pre-med, go tell them about this if you haven't already. Okay, back to the review. Uh, I always recommend this podcast to friends who are interested in applying to medical school because it is uh, such a wonderful resource and helps to humanize the path to medical school. Thank you, Sam from Boston. Sam from Boston was actually on our Blab, uh, our live call-in episode a couple episodes ago. Hi, Sam from Boston. Uh, Lolzers says, excellent show, the series contains a lot of good information for the student wishing to join the medical community. You will absolutely find value in this series. So that's a great one. And then one more here. Natalie C says, Oh, a podcast for, uh, chiropractic students. Um, so Natalie C hosts the exploring chiropractic, a podcast for chiropractic students and loves, she loves to listen to, I'm assuming she, I uh, love to listen to the medical school HQ. Keeps me informed about what my peers are doing, gives me an idea for my own show, and the episodes on MCAT and Match Day help remind me how easy I have it. <laughs> That's awesome. So if you're thinking about going to chiropractic school and you're listening to us for some reason, go check out the Exploring Chiropractic Show. All right, so we have a ton more reviews to get to, but that's enough for today. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes, if you would be so inclined to leave us a rating interview, I would greatly appreciate it. 
As always, I hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today, and I hope you join us next week here at the Medical School Headquarters.